Well, this morning, we get to look at what some might say are the basics of the Christian faith. There are things that God has given us to increase our faith, to sanctify us. They're sometimes called the means of grace. They're the things, the tools that God uses to change us, to give us grace. Sometimes they're called spiritual disciplines, the things that we discipline ourselves with so that we can grow and be strong in the faith. Uh, But we'll see as we go through this that these things can be done by lots of different people and have different results. And so really it's not just what we're doing in the Christian life, but it's also the heart behind what we're doing that has an impact on us and is pleasing to God. And so this morning, as we continue to look at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, we get to see really Jesus explaining for us what does it mean to be a disciple. He's preached the gospel. He's proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God. He's called people to repent and believe. And now he's sat down. His disciples have come to him and he's explaining to them What does it mean to be a part of this kingdom? What does it mean to be a Christian? What are you supposed to do now that you're in the kingdom of God, now that you're a Christian? And so we've seen the the Beatitudes at the beginning of Matthew Matthew chapter 5. We see the character, what what the good life is meant to be, how the Christian life is the good life. It's a blessed life. We've seen how Jesus fulfills all of the Old Testament all of it's pointing forward to him. We've seen specifically last week how some of those laws in the Old Testament were, were meant to point to Jesus, how he fulfilled them, how he calls us to follow him in those things. And this morning, as we see Jesus continuing to teach us about this life of the Christian, he's teaching us about three topics. He's teaching us about giving praying, and fasting. And so as we see these topics that Jesus is teaching us about, we'll see not only what we're supposed to be doing, but we'll also see the heart behind it. What's our attitude supposed to be? And so we should say up front, uh, we've kind of already touched on it, but these are things that Christians are meant to do. Right? These are disciples of Jesus. Jesus is teaching you, you're a Christian, this is what you're supposed to do. So it's not like you do these things in order to become a Christian. God doesn't lay out these requirements and say, if you do these, then you'll make it to heaven. No, he says, I've saved you, you're a part of this kingdom of God, and now you should live like this. And so here he's teaching us really... You might call this Sermon on the Mount the Constitution for the Kingdom of Heaven. This is what it means to live as a part of this kingdom, what it means to be a part of this kingdom, this nation of God, so to speak. And so here Jesus presumes you're a Christian and he holds out this ideal of what Christianity is supposed to look like. So if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn to Matthew 6. We'll start reading in verses 1 and we'll read through verse 18 this morning. Matthew 6, verses 1 through 18. And the word of the Lord says this. Beware 
of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret." And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Amen. May God open our eyes to see his truth this morning. So as we look at this passage, we really see two, two features throughout. We see this contrast. Jesus starts out by saying, this is what not to do. Don't do it like this. And then he switches and says, instead, do these things like this. So don't do this, do this. And we'll see really that it's talking about this heart attitude. That this attitude is not to be seen by other people. That shouldn't be our focus as we're doing good works. But our focus should be to be seen by God. That our focus is God as we do these things. And so don't do these things to be seen by other people. Jesus says, that's how the hypocrites do it. We use that word a lot. We're familiar with the word hypocrite, right? But here the Bible is defining really what a hypocrite is for us. It's, it's a person who is intentionally doing things in order to make themselves look good, right? You do one thing in order to make yourself look good, but you're not doing it in order to actually follow God. So this is different than someone who's actually trying to follow God and they mess up sometimes, right? That's all of us, but that doesn't make you a hypocrite because Jesus is pointing to this heart attitude. The heart attitude is really where hypocrisy comes from. It's people who aren't trying to follow God and who 
are just trying to make themselves better. And so we see that Jesus is teaching that we're not supposed to put a mask on when we follow him. You remember the, the, theat- the theater, right? From way back in ancient times, there are two masks. There's the, there's the smiling mask and there's the frowning mask. Now, since the last year, we think of masks and we think of face masks. But traditionally, in the theater, you'd have these two masks, right? And the, the point is, like, you can just take one mask and put it on and you're happy. And then you take another mask and put it on and you're sad. Well, that's this idea of the hypocrite. They can just make themselves look good on the outside, but there's someone else. They're different behind the mask, right? And so Jesus is saying, that should not be you as a Christian, but your heart should be in it. Your heart should be in following God. And so when you do these good works, Jesus is saying, do them like this. And so it's not the works themselves, right? It's not like they're doing something wrong by giving or praying or fasting. No, those are good things. Jesus, in fact, we could say he expects us to do these things. He says, when you do them, not if you do them, not maybe you should do them, but when you do them, then do them like this. And so he tells us this attitude behind giving, praying, and fasting. And he starts with giving. We see that in the first four verses. So there are really these two kinds of giving that Jesus talks about, these two different kinds of attitudes in our giving. The end result is the same for both people, right? They both actually give to the needy, but their hearts are completely separate and their reward is completely different. Even though they're doing the same thing, like the end result is the same, the needy are given to. And so Jesus says, really, there's a way to give to people, a way to provide for needs that has no eternal reward or value in God's eyes. Again, Jesus isn't talking about whether it's good to give But he does say that if we give with the wrong hearts, it's not pleasing to God. And so giving in this way with the wrong motives will get you a reward. Jesus says that. That's kind of interesting. It's not like nothing's going to happen. He says you will get a reward if you give to other people. It's just who do you want the reward from? Do you want it from the people who see you? Or do you want a reward from God? Because if you just want a reward from people and you want to be seen by them, well, you'll get that. It might, it seems nice, frankly, when people notice that you're doing good things, they congratulate you, they tell you you're doing a good job, right? But we know that that bragging, that congratulation, it's, it's temporary. It doesn't last, right? It doesn't take uh, a genius to see how fast people can turn on you in the world, One day you're great and you're held up as an example and the next day people can turn on you and try to tear you down, right? We see that in the culture today even. And so God really is telling us, don't seek after that reward. Don't give just so other people see you. Don't blow the trumpet so that you can announce, here I am, I'm giving. Now don't do that. Be be as secretive as you can so that your reward is from God and not from other people. And so here we see that Jesus is narrowing in on how we're supposed to be generous, right? 
You remember Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts. The church had just started, right? There was Barnabas. He had come. He had sold the field. He brought the money to the church to provide for the needs of people. So that would be the good example, the good heart. But then you've got right after that the example of Ananias and Sapphira. They did the same thing. They sold their property. They brought some money to the church, but they held a little bit back. Right, But they came and they wanted to look all good, like, oh, look, we're doing this too. We look great. People will think we're great and they'll think we're following God and they'll, they'll think good of us. Right, But Peter and God saw exactly through that and they knew that their heart wasn't in it. Their heart was really, how can other people think better about me? How can I make myself look good? Not how can I actually follow God and focus on God. And so what did God do? He, he killed them. In the early church, usually we just think about that happening in the Old Testament. But here at the beginning of the church, God wanted to make clear, this is not the heart attitude for following me. This is not what it looks like to serve me in the church. No, your heart has to be in it as well. And so God shows us that our heart shouldn't want to flaunt giving or make it something to be seen by other people, but it's between us and God. And so when we give, we should focus on him. How am I pleasing him? Because it is pleasing. God is pleased when we give joyfully, right? We read that in Corinthians. And so that is how we are supposed to give. We shouldn't miss really that they're giving to the needy. Like that's important too. They're not just giving in general to a lot of things. They're giving to the needy. Right? They're taking care of those in need. That's a Christian thing to do. All throughout history, whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, after the New Testament closed and we see church history for the last 2,000 years, we see Christians take care of those in need. As we have opportunity, we see that Barnabas did it. We see it in the Old Testament, even in how God said not to not to completely harvest all your food from your field, but leave a little bit for other people in case they need it. Right? We see that Christians have been the ones who are told to take care of widows, to take care of orphans throughout history, and we've seen that. Orphanages have historically been built by Christians. Hospitals were a, a Christian thing in the beginning to take care of those in need. Even today we see that as the the pro-life movement, the movement against abortion to protect life, that's a, a distinctly Christian thing because we, we value the, those who are needy, those who need protection or need, uh, need help. And so it's a Christian thing to take care of those people. It's a, a generosity that flows out of us. And so again, that's a good thing. Jesus says, do that good thing with a good heart, focusing on pleasing God, not pleasing people. So Jesus talks about giving, and then he moves on to praying. If you want to look at what are we supposed to do as Christians, we're supposed to give and we're supposed to pray. And so we see the same warning. Jesus starts out, don't pray like this. Don't pray like the hypocrites. Instead, pray like this. So how are you supposed to not pray? It's the same thing. We're not supposed to draw attention to ourselves when we pray. And so that could be done through how we talk when we pray, right? Some people like to use super fancy language when they pray or 
make it long or say a lot of things when they pray. However it is, it looks different for each person based off the person's heart. But we should not be focusing on other people at all when we pray. We should be focusing on God. After all, praying is talking to God. We're not really focusing on him and talking to him if we're thinking about the other people when we're praying, right? And so don't pray like that. Uh, Some of us might be shy and not like to pray in public. I don't know if you're like that. I know that's a common thing, right? Someone asks, who wants to close us in prayer? And then no one raises their hand because no one wants to pray in public, right? Well, that's an interesting thought. Like, what do you do with that? Jesus says to pray in secret. But then he also says that we're supposed to pray like this, our Father in heaven. So it's kind of the implication we're we're praying with people. It's not just my Father. It's our Father. We're praying together. And so I think Jesus is saying, hey, it's not that you shouldn't pray in public. In fact, in other places, in 1 Timothy, Paul tells us, hey, this is what you should do. Christians should pray when you gather together. But again, our focus is not on ourselves. And that's really what holds us back, I think, when we're, when we're shy to pray. We're thinking about what are other people going to think. I don't want other people to focus on me. But that's, again, forgetting this truth about prayer, that prayer isn't about what other people think about us. It's about focusing on God. And if we're praying, if we're leading prayer for a group, we're thinking about how can we focus all of us on God. And so to really pray is, it won't turn out that way anyways. People won't focus on you, they'll focus on God. So uh, it'll be okay anyways. But we should pray with that focus, the focus on God, the focus on being heard by God. And that's what Jesus says as he moves through this teaching on prayer. He says, well, you should pray to God, focus on him, and focus on being heard by him. See, the Pharisees, they had the tendency to draw attention to themselves when they prayed. But then Jesus says the Gentiles, people who didn't know God, they had the tendency to to think they needed to say certain things when they prayed. They needed to pray with a certain structure. It's like, uh, you know, the... The Eastern philosophy is a mantra, right? They just say the same words over and over. They do it for different reasons. But it's kind of that idea here. Jesus is saying, you don't need a mantra. You don't need like a structured prayer that has to say the same things in the right way in order for God to listen to you. Jesus says, no, God already knows what you need. He hears you. So when you pray, Have confidence that he's going to hear what you say. He will hear you when you pray. And so don't think that prayer is about what I need to do in order to pray and be heard by God. Again, prayer isn't about you. It's not what do I need to do to be heard by God. It's God hears me. Focus on him. And so Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this, with this Focus on God, and that's what we find in the Lord's Prayer, verses 9 through 13. We're probably familiar with it. Our Father who art in heaven. And we see in every single one of these phrases a focus on God, that He's our Father who's in heaven, that He's the one that matters. His opinion is what matters. Right? We start with Him. What does He want? What is His focus? That 
everything in the world, he's the, he's the ruler, he's the king. Everything is about him and is created by him and for him. And so we should pray with that focus that he would be glorified, that his name would be exalted or hallowed. We should make requests to God that others would be a part of his kingdom, that his kingdom would come, that it wouldn't just be for us, but that other people would have this focus on God as well and be drawn to him, that his will would be done here as it is in heaven. We can make requests. Even our requests are a focus on God. I don't know if you've thought about this. When you pray and make prayer requests, God, I pray that someone will be healed, they'll get better. I pray that we'll have enough money to be able to cover the bills or, you know, fill in the blank, whatever your prayer request is. Asking God for those things is actually focusing on God, even though you have this need. To not focus on God would be like this. It would be not praying at all. That's when we don't focus on God. We know we have needs, but we we forget to pray. We become anxious about them, or we just put our head down and try to make things happen. God doesn't say we shouldn't try to, to work and be diligent to provide and meet needs, but he says our focus should be him. We shouldn't forget about him. We should bring our requests to him. And so even in asking God for things, we're still, we're still focusing on him, right? And so pray this way. We pray for him to provide. We pray for him to not lead us into temptation, that we want to, again, please God. The focus is him. I want to obey him. I want to do what's pleasing to him. So I know temptation leads me away from him. Sin leads me away from him. I don't want to stray off into evil. I want to, I want to follow him and please him in what I do. So we pray for that. And then finally, we pray, forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins. And so you'll notice this is the only request that's contingent, right? All the other ones are just praying for God's glory, praying for something, but this one is contingent. We pray, we ask God to forgive us, and he will if, if we forgive others. We see that in verse 12, but we also see it in verses 14 and 15. And this is just kind of fascinating that prayer is, you remember prayer is focusing on God. And so what he's saying here, Jesus is saying, really, forgiveness is that litmus test of the heart. Are we actually focusing on God? And here's what I mean by that. Sometimes it's hard to know if your heart is in the right place, right? We hope it is, but we know our hearts are deceitful. They scheme. They're desperately wicked. Sometimes they lead us astray or we get tricked into thinking we're doing the right things, but we're really, we're not doing it out of the right motives. But Jesus is saying here, you can know you can know where your heart's at by this. Are you forgiving other people? If you're forgiving other people, it's an indication that your heart is in the right place. You are focusing on God and that he will hear you and he answers your prayers. He will forgive you. That's one indication of how we can know, is our heart in the right place? Is Are we forgiving others or are we holding on to things? Are we being bitter? Are we uh, continuing to think of things? Or are we, every time those thoughts come, are we having a heart of forgiveness? Have we sought forgiveness? 
that's an indication that we're, we're really focusing on God and what he wants. And so we can know our heart is in the right place when we forgive. And so Jesus says, pray like this. He's taught us how to give. He's taught us how to pray. Then he teaches us how to fast. And so this is maybe the forgotten spiritual discipline. Fasting is not something that's really common at all. I, I took a class in seminary. Uh, it's, it was called Personal Spiritual Disciplines, and it goes through all of them, and one of them is fasting. And so uh, it's one of those things that's not thought about a lot, but it's, it's nonetheless something that's important, and Jesus just assumes will do. Here again, he says, when you fast, do it like this. It's not that fasting is bad, but don't do it like the hypocrites, right? Because the hypocrites who fast, they're, they're hungry for the attention of other people, right? We see that. They're, their face shows it. Uh, sometimes you can't hide your face. You know what I mean by that? You know, someone will say something and you, your face just reacts. You know how that is? Uh, being hungry is not really like that. I mean, sometimes you can tell if someone's hungry, right? But your face doesn't really show it as much if you're hungry. And so here, they're figuring out ways. How can I let people know that I'm fasting, that I'm going without this thing, right? And so they're, they're uh, making themselves look mournful and disfigured so that people will ask, oh, what's wrong with you? Oh, I'm fasting because I'm super spiritual. But that's not what we're supposed to do. That defeats the point of fasting because, again, fasting is not focusing on me, but it's focusing on God, it's okay, in other words, if someone doesn't know what you're going through. We need brothers and sisters who will help us and support us and care for us. But it's okay if not everyone knows what we're going through. We don't have to justify ourselves to everyone else or make sure they know that we're having a rough time and so they should treat us better. Right? We don't always have to do that. It's okay. Our life will still be complete. It's okay if others have misconceptions about our lives and what we're doing. Because here again, we see the focus is that God sees us where we're at. So if we're fasting and other people don't know it, that's okay. Because God sees us when we're doing this. And that's the point. Fasting is, instead of being hungry for the attention of others, when we fast, we're hungry for God. That's really the heart of fasting. Fasting is about setting aside what you would normally use, setting aside some time that you would normally use for eating, like lunchtime, your lunch break, or something like that. And instead of eating, Use that time to focus on God, to pray, maybe read the Bible. Maybe there's something coming up you need some wisdom on. You talk to someone about it. But it's, it's using that time that we would normally use to eat, and it's focusing in on God. That's what fasting is. And then, really, when we do that, we're saying, you remember Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone? Well, we're saying that, that God is more important to me than food. That's really what fasting is saying. Now, of course, we can't live without food, and yet it's a good reminder to us that something is more important 
that God is more important, even than physical needs, things we actually need, God is still more important than those things. And so we see that when we get hungry, one of the things fasting does is it if you're fasting, you're going without, you're going to get hungry, right? So what do you do when that happens? Well, you use that as a reminder. Why am I doing this? I'm trying to focus on God. So when you get hungry, you pray again. You use it as a reminder to seek God again until, you are, until eventually you're filled. And we see that pattern throughout the Old Testament. There would be prescribed fasts, and then at the end of the fast, there would be a feast. People would come together and they'd rejoice, and so there's this kind of rhythm of life. Fasting doesn't last forever, but it's helpful to seek God and to, to really plead on, on our behalf to, to intercede for something from God. And so Isaiah, our scripture reading this morning, talked about fasting. It's not just abstaining from food, but it's also about doing good to others, right? We saw that. The Israelites, they weren't doing that. They were fasting. They thought they were doing the right things, and yet they were still treating people terribly. They weren't helping the people around them. But fasting is not just something that draws us close to God, but it's a way to not just love God, but to love other people as well. And so the Old Testament was, example was, hey, you shouldn't just go without food but you should take that food you were going to eat and you should give it. That was the example in the Old Testament. So we see principles like that today. I've heard about people going without coffee for once a month or however many times and taking that money and giving it to something. There are lots of examples of how we can do follow that principle. And it is a principle. Not everyone can fast. right? Some dietary restrictions or diabetics or people in certain situations, they can't go without food for a certain period of time. And that's okay. Because again, this is not a hard and fast rule like you must do this to be accepted by God. It's something that is helpful in drawing us close to God. And we can still follow this principle. Maybe we can't go without everything. But is there something that we can go without that will help us, that will maybe hurt a little bit, but will help us focus in on God whenever we miss that? And so when Jesus was in the garden, I'm reminded of this when I think of fasting. You know, he was in the garden before he was delivered to be crucified, and he was praying. And his disciples were with him, and he fell asleep. And Jesus came to them and said, could you not watch and pray for one hour? And I think about that when I think about fasting. I think, could we not delay eating for one hour? in order to focus on God. And so Jesus here is teaching us, these are the heart attitudes. These are things that not only we should do with the right heart, but these things in themselves help us to focus on God. So it's not just that we need to have the right heart or attitude as we give, as we pray, as we fast, but these are actually things God's given us to help readjust our mindset. So as we give, well, it we should hopefully be reminded we're not just giving to give. This is about God. As we pray, we should hopefully be reminded this isn't just about things I need. This is about God. As we fast, we shouldn't just think, oh, I'm just doing this thing. But it reminds us this is about God. It's about focusing on him. So these are, that's why they're called means of grace. They're things God uses to, to give us that focus, to, to give us grace as we follow him.
And that's really the focus of all the spiritual disciplines. The Pharisees, they had a certain righteousness. They did the right things, but they did it with a bad heart. And Jesus said earlier in this sermon, he said, you need a greater righteousness than that. You need to to follow me with the right heart. And so that's what he's saying here. He's saying that you need the right mindset, not the mindset that focuses on you and that actually lowers God. So it raises you and it lowers God, but you need the mindset that exalts God and doesn't focus on you. Just as John said in John 3, he must increase and I must decrease. And that's what these Christian practices are about. Am I trying to please others or am I trying to please God? Let's pray together this morning as we close. Father God, we are thankful for your word. We pray that we would not be deceived by our own hearts, that we would be able to see reality. Are our hearts focusing on you? We thank you that you've given us ways to see that. You've given us these disciplines with giving, praying, fasting. They help reveal where our hearts are at. Are they as focused on you as they could be or as they should be? We pray that we would be people who live like this, that you've laid out for us. This is what the life of a Christian should look like. We pray that we would imitate this and follow you. Lord, forgive us of when we do not. Change us into people who do. Thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit to empower us to live like this and actually be able to please you. We pray that we would do that this week and focus on you and draw near to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.